Welcome to the main event 365. It is episode five and it is a victory Monday. I am Mike Abraham here on the main event 365 podcast about NFL football, specifically Detroit Lions NFL football made by musicians who have opinions that rot. I'm Mike Abraham. This is Russ Wayne. How are you, Russ? Russ Wayne is doing fantastic on this victory Monday. So um, what you can expect in this video, Mike, what can what are we what are we gonna do? We're gonna review this 36-27 win over the Washington Commanders, and we're gonna dive right into that deal right there. We are also gonna look ahead to next week's matchup. It's the first road game of the year in enemy territory and then stay all the way to the end because we're obviously going to give you our predictions and then give you the lock of the week which is main event.info that's a lock of the week that's where you can connect with us in a multitude of ways subscribe to our youtube channel and all of our social media yada 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 lions win mike how are you feeling about that I'm feeling great, Russ. Uh, Lions win 36-27 against the Washington Commanders. They are 1-1. One one. They are 500 for the first time since Rip Van Winkle was a toddler. Uh, we, we are ecstatic. It's a victory Monday. We don't usually get those uh, a, lot of, a lot around these parts. So it feels good. Uh, I thought the first half the Lions played exceptionally well. They, they were almost a flawless first half. Um, with a questionable call on fourth and fourth down from the three yard line. It does, we end up getting a safety, a great return and another touchdown as a result of it, but you can't predict that. So other than that fourth down call uh, in the first half, I thought the Lions played a flawless half of football against a quality Washington opponent. You know, Mike, I would have to agree. You know, I, I'm just watching a complete game. And I know that there are a lot of people out there saying that they took their foot off the gas and gosh, prevent never works. And I'm, this is a situation where prevent worked. So when you look at it, don't try to dive into that thing too far because when they did press us, our offense went down there and scored another touchdown. So I don't think that there was a, uh, a sense of, wow, they're coming back. I, I think that it was calculated and, and they played their hands. And actually, Rivera really did get out coached in this game. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I, I agree with you that um, it wasn't a matter of the Lions letting off the gas. Did you see some of those catches the commander receivers were yes. making? I mean, some of those escapes that Thank Carson you for went saying that out of the mm -hmm. pocket. I think it's more about what they did than what we didn't do. Um, they knew they were getting blown out in the first half and they had to come back and they had to play well they had to go all out and open up their their game plan and open up their playbook and, and really get creative because our defense was bringing pressure our defense was covering though i know we you and i were both happy to see aiden hutchinson get three sacks in the first half but let's face it two of those were coverage sacks because our dbs were doing such a great job i mean it was four seconds five seconds before carson wentz went down um, he had no one yeah. to throw to. So when we came out in the second half, maybe we did lax on the, on the defense to ensure better coverage. But that's how you got to play when you have a big lead. And I thought they did a fantastic job of weathering the storm. Uh, I mean, these are NFL players playing across from you, right, on the Washington Commanders. Pretty darn good guys. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. It's a quality trio of receivers, and you can't stop them all, all the time. Um, 
it, all you can do is what the Lions did, continue to press Carson Wentz, consider, uh, continue to make them make circus catches and make tough third and longs because we were killing them on first and second down. They couldn't move the ball on first and second down. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's more about what Washington did in the second half than what the Lions didn't do. And when it really mattered, when it really mattered, they did what this team's not been able to do in the past, and that's come up with a stop, come up with another score, have an answer when a team gets on a roll and be able to close the door and close out the victory. And I, I was really proud of the team, uh, proud of the fans. There were a couple of great delay of game penalties uh, that they had to take because our fans were making one pride for Carson Wentz to, I mean, what, hey, we can't express enough how awesome that is. Even though we lost the game the week before in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts had three delay of game penalties from the crowd noise. So that's that's our crowd showing up, our fan base making an impact on the game. We outplayed the Washington Commanders in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, especially special teams. And then when you throw in that, uh, that other immeasurable thing of crowd noise and the home field advantage, uh, that really makes the Detroit Lions a real tough out, especially at home. Yeah, Mike, and really thank you for saying, uh, giving the enemy credit because that's what really needs to happen. Instead of thinking that the Lions are, oh my gosh, they're doing same old, they're letting them back in. Those catches were, like there was a, like a, I don't know, the 30, 40 yard catch that uh, McLaurin made over Will Harris, where Will Harris was all over it. It was inside, yeah. he was trying to knock it out of it the whole time. And then the touchdown catch was the same way that the defensive backs are playing well, even on the catches. So I think them going down the field and scoring had more to do with how well their skill position players are. So I'm so happy that you brought that up before yeah. we got into this next part right here. Do you want another? You want a rebuttal on that just, again? Just what you said there about the DBs. We, we already didn't have Amani. Uh, in the right. game, and then Okuda went out with a cramp. They had to pull Bobby Price off the depth of the bench uh, to come in and play corner, and he had a great series, and uh, and we ended up stopping him. So, uh, yeah, just a great job all the way around on the defense. Um, let's hope they can keep that up because the road's looking pretty tough ahead for some of these uh, wide receivers that we're about to face in the next few weeks. Yeah, but Michael, I mean, this is the the, the thing that that excites me the most about this team going forward is we're getting better. This thing with the best product that Dan Campbell has to offer is yet to be found. He is that these guys are getting better by the week confidence by the week. And then we're going to get an influx of talent week five when Pascal and Jamison Williams and these guys come off the pop list. It's it, it, and it can't be understated. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you, big, big kudos to the offensive line, too. Again, uh, we still have yet to see all five starters play together. Um, and if we can ever make that happen, this team's going to be real dangerous. I think we're dangerous anyway. So we're going to move on to this next uh, topic right here. And this is going to be a topic right here, and it already gets your blood boiling just reading it, right? So... What I'm challenging people to do, and what I'm going to challenge you to do, Michael, is we're, we're, th this train is moving now, okay? So we, we need to make a decision by the end of this year whether he's going to be the guy. So as of week two, six touchdowns, one interception, 
one and one record golf train are you on or are you off and give me some give me some meat i am i'm on the golf train as much as you can be i stick by the fact that he's not an elite quarterback we could do better there are better quarterbacks available in the league and maybe coming out of the draft that that could take us to the next level do i think golf is that guy no but i'm on the train as far as this year what else is it i mean let's face it if golf goes down maybe more than any other quarterback in this league the lions could be in big trouble um, having to play their backup, who is now what Nate Sudfeld and then Tim Boyle on the practice squad, Th- right. that doesn't seem very appealing to me. So I'm on the golf train. <laughs> I'm on the golf train. But I think that I, I think that we don't have to know right by the end of this um, by the end of this year because if, if he gets us to the playoffs, I still don't see him being the long answer. He's still a bridge quarterback to me. Brad Holmes, I believe, has a plan. In Brad, we trust. Um, if Brad thinks he's the guy going forward, then I'm in with that too, because that guy's already proven to me. He's the best general manager we've ever had in my lifetime for the Detroit Lions. And he's not even two whole years into it yet. So, uh, I'm going to ride with, you know, what they say, one of my favorites, trust the chef, right? Uh, Let's trust the chef. That is a good thing. You know, we have to trust the process. We have to trust our leader. So I have a follow-up question for you because I, it seems to be that no one will that that they won't stick to any kind of thing here. So, is there a number? Is there a number that Goff can reach or something that he could do? What what is the cutoff for Mike Abraham to where you would say, okay, we got to extend this guy. We don't need to go look for a quarterback. A playoff victory would do that for me. You just the playoff victory. One playoff victory, and I'm saying, okay, we, he can have a three-year contract. I could pay him twenty million a year, eighteen point six, better than Baker Mayfield. I could pay him Baker Mayfield salary all day. Well, he's going to get thirty-five plus, regardless. That's a starting yeah, point. I don't know. That's what, yeah, I, mean, I don't know that, about that. I don't know about that because is anyone else going to give him that? Is anyone else going to give him that? So if he is goes that and really wins a playoff value? game, I don't think that's his value. I don't. I think if he wins a playoff game, he still wouldn't get thirty-five million in Atlanta. He wouldn't really? get thirty-five million in Seattle. No, that's too much. Wow. wow. Well, I'm. I mean, I don't think that. I mean, I don't think that you could go and win a playoff game and the numbers that he would have to put up to do that. I would think be right around like let's say four thousand yards at least, thirty touchdowns to less than ten interceptions, and then he would hit that playoff game. That's where I would think that you would have to like go, okay. I mean, he's an upper echelon quarterback. That's top 10 type. Upper echelon. Now, wait a minute. He's not elite. He's not Patrick Mahomes and in that category where he's getting 50 million a year. Right. He's right. not. He's yeah, in right. the middle. But he's in Jimmy Garoppolo neighborhood, which was 24.5 million. And that's the top end of that tier. Yeah, so, but we're going to a new place with the money. Like the, the, is he better the than Jimmy caps. Garoppolo? It's not going to be about that. It's going to be what is the new, the new trend is no, at sorry, 50, Rob. 40. No, like it's, he's it's about, coming in on the new contract. Been. No, what have it you has done always for- been, and it always will be about market value. What is the market value for a quarterback that can take your team to the playoffs and win a game? It's not how you feel about it. It's, it's what is the market value? What are other teams willing to give him so that you can stay competitive with that? And I right. think Brad Holmes knows that Jared Goff at his best is a $25 million quarterback per year. And that's it. That's it. 
I'm just saying what, what I'm saying with that is like I'm not disagreeing with that point. What I'm saying is that it's gonna be thirty that fair market value for just a average type of dude going forward by the time he's gonna be ready to be extended and that decision's gonna be made. It it it's gonna be thirty five million for a mid level starting level quarterback that's not a bum. Well, I mean, every free agent period the market is reset right by the free agents right and as we saw in this last offseason with the wide receiver crazy market, with the wide receiver market has now been reset right and those but however some things still remain the same you have to be in that top tier to get the top tier money jared goff would have to win a super bowl or be an mvp to get that top tier money so now you're looking in the next tier and where is that market going to be set that market's going to be set by joe burrow and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, guys that take their teams to the championship games. Uh, right. So if Jared Goff can win one playoff game, to me, he's in that that market, that Jimmy Garoppolo money, which was 24.5. Jimmy yeah. G did reschedule, re, re, uh, do his contract for a heck of a lot less, uh, but that's where he was due in this year. They were going to have to pay him $24 million or cut him. And I see Jared Goff in the same uh, right. You know, class as Jimmy G and Carson Wentz as well. Yeah. So we can definitely agree that wherever that mark is, where wherever that line and that precedent is set, that's where Goff will get paid. I think it is going to be a little bit higher than that twenty-four million, just because it is later in a contract. He signed that contract a long time ago, and it's just it is just more now for average guys, but. I, I we're up against it, so we're going to go into the next. Well, before we do though, Russ, I already know the answer that you are on the golf train. Uh, you know, I'm on the golf train. We have a bet, so if you have not been uh, part of our podcast, I got to grow a big old nasty beard if golf does not finish in the top. Well, uh, he has to finish in the top thirteen. We you gave me number thirteen, yeah, and then 13. I have to grow a big nasty beard. And uh, well, I don't even know what I have. What do you got to do? You, I got to shave my head, brother. You got to shave your head. Believe me, that's just as traumatic for me as it is for you. I just, <laughs> I just don't want to have to punish your wife with that big, nasty, stinky beard. No, you're right uh, in, in saying that I am on uh, the golf train. And it has less to do with with golf. And I think I'm actually going to go the, the other way. And we're going we're, we're gonna to skip and we're going to go right to dan skipper right here because i think it has more to do with the o-line and i just want you to react to those two words on the, the screen right now well i think what said it all was uh the fact that dan campbell sent dan skipper out to meet the media first you know first thing the media they want to see the head coach they want to see the quarterback they want to see the guy who starred on defense they don't want to see some third string offensive <laughs> lineman that didn't even make the 53-man roster initially uh, pulled off the practice squad. But I think it says volumes that uh, that Dan Campbell chose to send Dan Skipper out there first to meet the media. What a testament to the job this guy did. Uh, he was pulling all day. He was stunting all day and, and executing great. And uh, you, he, I know that you've been a Dan Skipper fan for a long time and really thought he should have made the team initially. So we knew that that 53 man wasn't uh, kind of set in stone and guys like Dan Skipper 
were going to find their way back onto the Lions field. And I'm really glad that uh, that he did because he played great in relief. Um, being down a couple of names, a couple of big names on the offensive line, um, figuratively and literally some big names. Um, <laughs> uh, Dan Skipper did a great job. Damn Skippy Dan Skipper. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Damn, damn, skip it. Yeah, I'm, I've been a Dan Skipper fan because I love the lunch pail guys. Like the, the guys that are on the fringe that just have to kind of bust their butt to even make the team. And then and then this situation where like we we talked about it, like what is going to be the answer if Jonah Jackson goes down? We don't we don't even know this is going to be a problem. We We looked at this as a big problem going into this commander's game. And Dan Skipper not only came in and played well, he played, he, he dominated just as much as Jonah Jackson would have. So let's talk a little bit about this offensive line. Like, this is a stat that I came up with. We spoke on the phone a little bit earlier about this, but the O-line is giving the running backs 3.8 yards before they're even getting touched man can you just give me a just give me a reaction to that that is a great stat that's not the kind of stat that lights up the the headline in the newspaper or the or an article online but that is a very telling stat 3.8 yards that's how far our offensive line is moving the line of scrimmage on a run play that's huge that leads the NFL by the way uh through the second week uh, 3.8 yards before the running back experiences any contact. Um, that's just a testament to what a great job the O-line's doing. Uh, even with a couple of injuries, it shows how, how deep we are, how Brad Holmes has built this team from the inside out with great depth on the offensive and defensive line, able to rotate fresh people out when they bring the 12 package in. Matt Nelson comes on the field. You've got Logan Stenberg, Dan Skipper, this, this who's who of who the heck is that. Um, and they're just performing and, and then you come out with a stat like that where they're moving the line 3.8 i mean what a what a testament to hank fraley the offensive line coach probably one of the best in the business and uh soon will be recognized as that by the time this year is over absolutely man hank fraley gosh i think that there might be two or three potential head coaches coaches poached straight from our position coaches right there and i love the, you know how much I love the offensive line, Mike. And, and this stat, it, it, it just leaves this nice little just just warm feeling in my heart knowing that we're moving people on the line of scrimmage. And then when people give me stats with running, oh, yeah, Dalvin Cook's going to do this or this guy's going to do that, our guys are going to move people out of the way. I could rush for a hundred yards behind this offensive line. Like, no, probably not, I, Russ. But well, uh, I, I do. See I can your get point. the three point eight, Mike. I see I your can point. Get the, yeah, I might be able to even get five on, on a carry. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, these guys are are awesome. It's fun to watch, uh, and it's going to be special. And we're going to even go deeper into that before the end of this. Um, and I want to switch gears. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Michael, let's uh, let, let, let's jump with the, the Okuda. Our, I'm on the Okuda train right now because I, I had said that this was a, a recipe for the Lions to actually have a very good defense. And one of the recipes was Okuda becoming the shutdown cornerback 
that we drafted. Are we witnessing this status? Is this is this happening right in front of us? I don't think so. Uh, I would say no. Uh, Jeff Okuda has played two pretty good games. He's been great in run support. He's been good in coverage. I don't think he's been Pro Bowl caliber good. Um, the Lions have still given up 27 and 38 points respectively in the first two games. So the defense still has a long way to go. There's still a few pieces away um, from being a, a dominant defense. They did play a great game yesterday. They definitely played a great first half. Um, a, a lot of the sacks, as we said before, came because the coverage was good. I am on the train that Jeff Okuda is going to be a serviceable cornerback in the in the NFL. Honestly, I wasn't even sure of that going into this year, and I don't think anyone was. No one. I, I don't even think the coaches were completely sure that Jeff Okuda was going to be a usable cornerback in the NFL. We just haven't had a big enough sample size of it, and return from injury can go either way. So, um, no, I don't think he's approaching shutdown status. I think he is definitely... Uh, uh, a serviceable cornerback right now in the in the right now so mike abraham is not drinking that shutdown status kool-aid no. so i will represent the the other side of this argument and and it's like i i love just being able to dive into this side so in the first game he was accredited to zero passes that were that came his way it was I mean, no offense, Amari. We love you. We thought you had a great Lions season last year, but AJ Brown took you to the woodshed and 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 chuck 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 and just anything that he wanted to do. But Okuda shut down Devontae Smith. As a matter of fact, he was on a milk carton until about uh, the first quarter of <laughs> last night's game. So, um, and in the second game, he was credited to two catches in in, in that game. Um, and then when he had went out, you could see the obvious difference in the defense where uh, the commanders were actually able to move the ball in the second half and actually put some points back up. Um, so is he approaching shutdown status? I think that you're approaching it. You have to keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, you can't stop doing what you're doing. I just want to make sure there's no Buckeye bias going on here. I'm not. No, I'm not Buckeye bias. Okay. I, I'm going to report what I see on the field, and what I'm seeing on the field is Okuda is doing his job on a secondary that may not all be doing its job. So, well, well, we might we might have a better answer to this question by the end of next week. I know it. This is such an exciting thing. Now, you had a special thing that you wanted to do this week, and and, and I love you for this part right here. Yeah. So we got to do a little special shout-out, Mike. So yeah. give me the shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to the Lions special teams and Coach Fit, who takes care of the special teams. Uh, in that Washington Commanders game, every phase – Offense, defense, and special teams, the Lions outplayed the Commanders, and that translated to a victory. Every week, these special teams go without anyone giving them a shout-out. They're one of the best units in the entire NFL, and they have been for a couple of years. Our punter, Jack Fox, through the first 125 punts of his career, statistically, is the greatest punter of all time. His net average, his average long, um, 
is all the tops of ever of anyone ray guy anyone who's ever doing it let alone the greatest lion to kick the ball he's the greatest of all time statistically through his first 125 punts and he just continues to kill it in this game against washington he had a 63 yard punt booming him uh he had one where he pinned him down inside the 10 yard line on a 53 yarder i mean he put a 53 yarder be between the five and the goal line that's that's very impressive uh just his kicking alone the coverage team khalif raymond had a 52 yard uh kickoff return um great blocking on the on the coverage teams uh, uh, the, the opposing returners are getting nothing on the return game. They might get a 17 or an 18 yarder here or there, but for the most part, we're keeping those teams uh, behind the 20 yard line on, on on kickoffs, on punts and kickoffs. So big shout out to the special teams, the Detroit Lions. They don't get enough love. They were integral in this victory yesterday uh, against the Washington Commanders. And I think going forward, they're going to be something that other teams are going to have to game plan for. Um, for the Lions special teams. What do you think of that? Well, I think that I love that you brought up the, the Buckeyes when we had the Okuda thing <laughs> happen. And, and I hadn't planned on doing that, but I'm going to bring up the Buckeyes right now. There was a coach that they had way back in the 2000s named Jim Tressel. And uh, and he won a national championship in 2001 by be going undefeated. And, and I think there was nine or ten of those games that came down to like the last play of the game. They were really... It was almost like a magical, lucky almost season. But Jim Tressel used to say that the punt, the punt was the most important play in the game because it was the only play that you could guarantee 40 yards and there's nothing that really anybody could do about it. So I love playing the small game and I... It, and seeing a good special teams is so underrated in the National Football League because it's something that you don't notice unless it's bad, mm -hmm. really, yeah. when it comes down to it. So awesome job to Jason Phipps. Shout out to special teams. We see you. We see you. The main event 365 sees you, special teams. That's right. We love you. We love yeah. you. And keep it up. Jack what do they say? Fox. It's a game of inches, right? It's a game of the inches. The greatest punter of all time, not named Jack Fox. <laughs> it's a game of inches. And when you can flip the field and you're driving on offense from a short field or you're playing on defense, making them play on a long field, it makes a huge difference. Um, and, I, I mean, these long, sustained drives, you just haven't seen them uh, against this Lions defense. And... When your special teams are putting them deep in their own zone every time they have the ball, that's what it's going to require. It's been chunk plays that have been killing the Lions. Um, big chunk plays. So uh, the, the special teams has made that easier on the defense because those chunk plays, they've still got a long way to go when, they, when, when they're done. So uh, shout out, kudos to the special teams of the Detroit Lions. That is absolutely right. And you know what? Like, we're still feeling we are one and one. The Philadelphia Eagles did come to town uh, in, in game one, and they, uh, they, 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 they let us see what a really, really good NFL team looks like. And uh, But the Eagles also went on Monday Night Football and demolished 
the Minnesota Vikings, and we got to talk about it, Mike. We got to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, as we as we uh, put the Commanders in the rear view and we go into week three as one and one, we look ahead to our next opponent, who is the Minnesota Vikings, and they'll have the Lions at home. And they are coming off a 24-7 loss on the road themselves to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Lions just hung 35 points on the, on the Eagles. Uh, the, yep. the Vikings were only able to muster seven points. So... It looks good for us that in that way, but like we said earlier, this is a division game. Lions are on the road. You can throw all that out the off, out the window. Uh, Darius Slade played big for the Eagles with two interceptions. Uh, Kirk Cousins' stat line, Justin Jefferson's stat line looked pretty pretty uh, pitiful. Um, so I, I think that was uh, you know playing a great team at home and not being able to get anything going offensively. Um, it's still going to be a tough test for for the Lions against the Vikings. But it is encouraging seeing how uh, the Eagles just took them apart. Yeah, for sure, man. Like when I was watching that game, I was I was thinking, I'm not Aaron Glenn, you know, I, I'm no genius of a football mind, but I'm thinking that the Philadelphia Eagles just gave Aaron Glenn the blueprint on how to fluster Kirk Cousins and 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 beat him up a little bit. So I to me this was a huge game for me to watch because it told me, like I said, I'm a data guy. I want, I need to see some certain things. And we know some things week two, a little bit earlier than normal because of the teams that have played each other, in my opinion. So as we get into this Vikings and Lions preview right here, this is a, this is going to be a special game to me, man, because I'm taking my son and we're driving to Minnesota with a bunch of football buddies that are on our fantasy football team. And uh, we're going to watch the game in enemy territory. And that's going to be fun. But your first thoughts on week week three in Minnesota. Well, uh, uh, boy, we've been looking at this one, right? We, yeah. You and I both predicted the Vikings would probably win this division. We liked them both to win. We both liked them to win this division. They have incredible weapons on offense. Some of the best in the league. Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a rock-solid quarterback. He's not a world-beater, um, but I, I definitely think he's in a tier above Jared Goff, um, maybe below guys like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and, and such, but uh, definitely a solid quarterback who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, it was nice to see the Eagles get pressure on him and fluster him and take him out of his game, and I think that's something the Lions can do. They've been able to do it now against two offensive lines that are as good or better than the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. So I think we can get pressure on Kirk Cousins. Um, it, can our DBs stay with those elite receivers, though, long enough for, for the pass rush to get there is going to be the real question. And then on the other side of the ball, are we going to be able to run against this Vikings team? Um, they've showed to be pretty stout against the run so far in their first two games. Um, so it's going to be a great game. Looking forward to the Lions. I did predict that they would lose this game, but I sure hope I'm wrong. It would be great to come out of week three atop the division at two and one. You so you know, um, I, I do uh, agree w w with some of that. And at the beginning of the season, like before we really kind of knew, because when you're looking at preseason, there's a lot of fluff and uh, a lot of people like to, oh, yeah, my guy is going to do this or that. But until you actually see what it's going to come out on game day it, it 
you really just don't know. And we've seen enough to, to know that it's a little bit different than we thought it was going to be. And last year when we played the Vikings, uh, Amari Anamuare locked up Jefferson and we didn't even have an Okuda last year. So I think that we're a matchup nightmare for this team just on like their strength on the defensive line, I think is nullified with how good our offensive line is. I think we're going to be able to run the ball and if they don't score 35 points on us, they're going to, they have no chance to, to beat us in this game. Yeah. This game could be a shootout, right? Right. Uh, with both, both defenses allow points. Let's look at running games. Like, I mean, cause when I, so I have, I know it says cook versus swift. I'm not saying Cook the runner versus Swift the runner. You, you're, we're taking and encapsulating offensive lines versus defensive lines. Like, who do you like running game style in this game? Well, uh, a lot of the uh, Vikings, uh, with their use of Dalvin Cook, they use him in the passing game a lot. He's one of the best uh, in the in the business when it comes to vision, finding the hole, exploding through the hole. But you know what? DeAndre Swift is a, a younger, one, two, one or two year younger version of Dalvin Cook. And he's in his prime and he's having the best season of his career right now. And I think DeAndre Swift outgains Dalvin Cook, regardless of what the scoreboard says. Yes, I'm going to agree with you in that spot. And I think it does come down to our offensive line is going to be able to move their defensive line. And, and it's not going to work the other way around. And uh, and I watched Dalvin Cook play yesterday, and either he's lost a step or he's battling an injury, but that's not that's not game-breaking Dalvin Cook that I'm used to seeing. You know, I, he doesn't look like the same Dalvin yeah, Cook. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I noticed it, that did you? Okay, explosion. it wasn't just me? <laughs> yeah, No, I noticed that the explosion isn't there, and he's had so many right. injuries. I don't think he's played a full season in his career um, because he's had so many injuries. So it is possible that all that's catching up to him. But um, I, I really think that if you look at the, the Vikings that played Packers in Week 1 and the Vikings that played the Eagles last night, uh, that's, a, that's two different efforts and two different... Um, uh, teams that I saw there, and I, I would expect to see something closer to the first game uh, against the Lions in Week Three. And I think that Dalvin Cook um, may just restore that explosiveness, and this might be the week that 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 he comes off of that sluggishness and kicks off the rust from the off season and gets it going. So we're going to have to treat him like he's the Dalvin Cook of old, regardless. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that, man. Um, and this is an interesting one right here. This one just kind of makes me smile because if you would have pulled this out like any other time other than really this year, this would have been laughed at. But this is actually a legitimate matchup right here. Amon oh, Ra, the oh, sun legit. god versus Jefferson, probably what you would call two top 10 wide receivers. And what we're going to what the caveat we're throwing in this is we got to put secondaries we our secondary is going to be guarding him and their secondary is going to be guarding us who has the bigger game between Amon Ra and well, Jefferson well wow that's I think this is great because uh, I mean obviously Jefferson's top three at least I mean you might talk about Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase or somebody else CD Lamb sure. whoever you want but Justin that's Jefferson fair. is in that conversation and I'm going to tell you Amon Ra is 
be coming in that is coming into that conversation. If he continues the way he is, I mean, this guy is a stud. Um, I, I, we we were encouraged what we saw at the end of last year, but he has just picked right up right where he left off. And on an episode of Hard Knocks, we saw him take his shirt off, and we're like, "Holy cow!" Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only is this guy Jack, he's so tough, he's so smart, so fast. His game is different than Justin Jefferson, but he is emerging. And I think at this time next year, we're going to be talking about Amon Ross St. Brown as one of the top 10 wide receivers in the entire NFL, if not maybe even top five. Uh, he's just so reliable. Um, he's quickly becoming our number one, one of the best maybe we've ever seen in this town. Uh, I really can't say enough about him. I'm on the Amon Ross St. Brown train. Um, this guy is special. He, he may turn out to be one of the best, best fourth-round draft picks of all time. So as far as how is he going to do against the Minnesota secondary, he's going to do fine against them. He's yeah. going to be steady. He's going to get, you know, he's the only player in NFL history to record a touchdown and at least eight receptions in seven straight games. So that you can that you can you can throw in Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, anyone you want. He stands alone with at least eight receptions and a touchdown in seven straight games. And if he continues that, um, I mean, I, I think he'll he, he'll have his way with the Minnesota Vikings secondary if we can keep Goff in the pocket with enough time to get it to him. Um, and Justin Jefferson, cream of the crop. Darius Slay shut him down last night. I think he had, what, two two of eight, I think, for no touchdown. Right. Um, Darius Slay is a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. Um, was it Darius Benedict Arnold Slay? Uh, <laughs> he, he's great. I don't think that we have anyone on our team that uh, is that caliber. But um, I think uh, we can we can definitely afford to do a double line. We're good enough to cover Adam Thielen and Herb Smith one on one. Um, our linebackers, I think, are good enough to cover Dalvin Cook out of the background, especially with the speed we've added at the linebacker position. So I think we win this kind of matchup. Um, it, last year, he did have his way with us in one game, but we shut him down in the other. And I think that's how this goes. I think the Vikings win this game. But uh, it's going to be a dog fight, and uh, Jefferson's going to have all he can handle with our secondary. So you give Amon Ra, and, and and I love this discussion because this isn't saying you know the the Vikings are the Lions. We haven't done our predictions for the game yet. This is just matchups within the the matchups within the matchups. And Amon Ra, I don't think he's arriving to a, a, a top ten wide receiver i have him on my fantasy team and i was able to keep him from last year to this year and since week 12 it's been funny to watch them only project him uh 13 points and he's been getting 20 to 30 points every single game and it hasn't stopped now it's even better it's only getting worse Amon Ra is the most complete and i think he's the most complete wide receiver in the nfl right now number one and it isn't just his receiving. This dude can get open. Like, I've never seen anybody just like, he's just like, hey, I'm open. All of a sudden, he's just hidden. Do you remember that one? I, I, I'm gonna, I'm bringing this back out here because we're going to go back down uh, memory lane. You, that one Dallas game where Barry Sanders is running and that, that, the lineman's turned in the wrong direction looking yeah. dumb. There was a moment like that in, this, in the Commanders game where somehow... Amon Ra snuck to the back of the end zone and 
two cornerbacks didn't even know that they were right behind him and Goff throws that little touchdown pass and he just kind of catches it. He fooled the cameraman and everything. Amon Ra is a special talent, one of a kind, maybe even generational with his work ethic and the way that he blocks downfield, opens up run lanes for DeAndre Swift. So I think this is a landslide. Jefferson may have, I, I'm, I mean, I'll give him his pure wide receiver skills all the way. Jefferson is a more talented wide receiver, but more complete. Amon Ra, hands down. Yeah, when it comes to catching passes over the middle uh, or any of that stuff, Amon Ra everything. Gets, the check, gets the check mark for five me. Five-tool sure. player. He's but, five uh, tool. you know, going up for 50-50 balls and, and, and stretching the field, that's Justin Jefferson's game. Yep. And uh, and he is one of the best in the business. And if the Lions aren't careful, uh, it'll be A.J. Brown from week one yeah. all over again if we're not careful with this guy. Um, definitely, uh, I think it's more about what Amon Ra can do than what Justin Jefferson can't do. So let's move on to what I think is probably the most important matchup. And, and this is flip-flop, too. Defensive lines versus the offensive lines. And uh, you can go ahead and you can go pick whatever one you want first, and I'll flip-flop with you, and we'll go back and forth. Yeah, I think the Lions get the, the, get the, the check mark here as well. Um, I think we can handle their pass rush. Uh, whether we can get a pass rush, we'll have to wait and see. We didn't get much of one in game one. We were able to get one in game two. So let's see how, how that goes. Still maybe a little too early in the in the season to, to put guarantees on things, right? But um, uh, I think we get the check mark in this um, on the trenches on both sides of the ball. I think the Lions are just a little stronger than the Vikings there. I absolutely agree with that, too. I mean, we, we not only showed that the offensive line was good, but we're also deep. So even if we get injured, the next man up can obviously handle uh, his load, too. Um, and I, on the defensive side of the ball, the, this is where I think that they're going to have a lot of trouble with our pass rush is Aiden Hutchinson's style is he can rush from the middle outside inside anywhere so what aaron glenn's really been doing is just kind of lining hutchinson up against their weakest offensive lineman and cousins last week if aaron glenn just follows that i don't think there's anything that he can do because our cornerbacks are actually really good and i think they can cover for three seconds and cover hot routes and if we just blitz them all day i think they're we're gonna they're gonna have a lots and lots and lots and lots of problems with us so that'll take us right into the game yeah. predictions well, because i know that you've been chomping at it so well one more thing about that offensive defensive line though that, that i think you brought up a good point um uh aaron glenn did some things in the last game where he was moving aiden hutchinson along the line and he would then out of the blue he would run him and charles harris on the same side uh, that produced the safety was that look um, is what gave us the safety. Charles Harris and Aiden Hutchinson coming off the same side was just too much motor, right. too much beef and motor coming at once for their offensive line to handle. And that might be something that we see against Kirk Cousins to get to rattle his cage a bit. So I think that was a great point and uh, uh, further enhances our prediction that uh, we got them handled on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to have players that like they that change stuff, right? It's like, like you said, there's a motor. You can't, they can't handle all of that motor. So we now have players on both sides of the ball that 
create problems to where like, okay, if they do this, we have to do something. We have to do something about what they just did. Like we haven't had guys like that. We had three of them, you know, you had Stafford, Megatron and Sue, like, but it, there was never like, it wasn't coming from everywhere. Like Hutchinson and Harris are a problem. Like you got to deal with that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It is time now for game predictions on the main event 365. We looked at last week's victory against the commanders and we've looked at this week's upcoming matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. Time now to make our predictions and Russ, I got to hand it to you, buddy. I'm going to start calling you the Swami. Uh, <laughs> you're now 4-0 and in your predictions on games. You had the Lions uh, two and a half, and you definitely covered. You also had the Atlanta Falcons plus 10 points against the Rams. That bet covered. You're now 4-0 and on the year. So the line this week on, I'm going to get your picks now from Detroit and Minnesota. Minnesota is a six-point favorite against the Lions. Who you got? Man, so I did pick this game on the Pridecast, and um, and I had the Lions winning this game 31-30 to in a very, very close game. But after watching yesterday's Monday Night Football, whatever product that Minnesota is trying to throw it out in the field, uh, I don't think that they're in Detroit's league. I think that Detroit is going to push them around on the line of scrimmage. DeAndre Swift is going to have another game. And Amon Rob, they don't have anybody. They have zero answers. So um, I, I think that if Minnesota doesn't score 35 points, they have no chance to stay in this game. And I think that Hutchinson has the blueprint to uh, stop that deep or stop that offense. And he's going to drop Cousins on his head two or three times as well. So I got not only the Detroit Lions covering the six points, but I have them winning outright by double digits. And I'm not going to allow this show to give me credit if Lions only cover and lose. Okay. Well, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I think the Lions cover and they lose. So I would take, um, I would take Detroit in the points. But I think the Vikings win a close one, 27-24. I think you're right. The the Lions now have some great tape, two games, of Kirk Cousins in this new offense, this new uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell offense that came from the L.A. Rams. Um, I think they're going to have enough tape now to be able to put together a good game plan, keep it close on the road. But this is a divisional game. NFC North divisional games are always tough. They're always close. Um, I see the Lions keeping it close, but losing 27-24. So that's my prediction. Now, uh, last week, I also hit my game. So I'm in the win column. I was 2-0 last week. So I've now even my record to 2-0 and 1-1 and in, the, in the league. Um, this week, I'm taking the Houston Texans plus three points in Chicago. Now, I don't think the Bears can beat anyone. At this point, uh, they did beat the Niners in week one, but uh, with the rain and everything that was going on, I think it was more of a fluke. Um, I, I like the Texans. They're playing tough. I love to get points uh, on the road. So uh, I'm going to take the Texans plus three against Chicago. What do you got for your prediction around the league? So um, uh, when when you brought it up earlier, it was the Tampa Bay and 
uh, Green Bay game that intrigued me. And you told me that, and I'm just correct me if I'm wrong, but two and a half points being given to uh, the Green Bay Packers. That's correct. Tampa Bay's at home and they are uh, a two and a half point favorite to the Packers. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay to to go over and above that i think that green bay is not the green bay that we're used to seeing and tampa bay is a title contender so there it is there's our predictions i've got the texas plus three against chicago you've got the uh tampa bay buccaneers minus two and a half against the packers and we both like the lions and the points this week that's so um so Don't what are your to picks? Like and subscribe. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Go over to YouTube slash the main event 365 and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can get this podcast anywhere where you get your podcast. We're on Spotify now uh, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. So for Russ Wayne, I'm Mike Abraham. We'll see you in episode six next time. Peace out. M-A-N-E. That's the main event. Dot info. That's where you can subscribe to our YouTube and you can connect with us in a multitude of ways. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You tired of being backstage? You want to get on the main stage? The M-A-N-E stage? You got to have an opinion. You got to have an opinion that rocks. <laughs>